Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. Here we cover all things whitetail property design, habitat improvement, and hunting strategy. Let's change your property for good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. I've got Jake on the line from Whitetail Partners, Michigan, Greg, Whitetail Partners, Ohio, Lee, Whitetail Partners, Tennessee, and Sam, Whitetail Partners, Wisconsin. Guys, welcome again, because I forgot to hit the record button the first time we started talking. And uh, so here we are. Uh, Luckily, we didn't get too far down the road, but the question that I kicked off with last time was... Uh, you know, are you guys still getting after it? Or are you feeling like uh, it's time to wind things down here as we get late in the season? And I guess I'll, I'll start things off again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> for us here on our properties, it can be a little bit of both. And a lot of that depends on, you know, what we've harvested up until this point. You know, have we accomplished our goals? Uh, you know, but even if we have, you know, there, there's still work to be done on our properties. And, and we'll kind of get into that more on, on what exactly that is uh, within this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so after you answered last time, I then went to Sam <laughs> and asked Sam if he's been breaking out the old smoke pole because I know he likes muzzleloader season. So are you are you doing that, yeah. Sam? Yes. Uh, so muzzleloader season in Wisconsin is a 10-day season following our nine-day gun deer season. And uh, it, it's one of my favorite times of year, especially if you have food, the opportunity out there is is great because that 60,000 plus orange army has left the woods. Um, it's back to, I'd say, probably the lowest hunter numbers of all the seasons. And um, not a lot of people do muzzleloader. And if you have food, have cold weather, um, have some snow, it can be really good. Um, one of the bucks I have on my wall was in late December, not in muzzleloader. That was a unique firearm season we had kind of a special one-off, but the, the muzzleloader season is, is a lot of fun because it's just you in the woods and kind of that pressure's off of, 
uh, the properties around you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What a, yeah, it, I, th- I feel like it's probably beyond or besides, you know, that three weeks into the season, you know, early, early October when it feels like, and eh, there's not a lot of people, everybody's kind of biding their time for November. Those guys who were super excited to get out those first couple weekends in September are gone. Seems like pressure and numbers are pretty low. Seems like now is kind of the, the second big hunter lull in the woods. You know, you're coming off of not only all the bow hunters getting out there for the rut, but then your nine day gun season obviously was a ton of pressure. So, uh, Lee, what are you getting into, man? Cause I, I feel like, I feel like it's just a matter of time till I see Lee sitting behind one. So I, I think we're approximately day 31 into our rifle season. So, um, you know, but the orange army, you know, was last week during Thanksgiving. So I think y'all hit on probably right. the most important thing. I think, you know, for us, you have, you know, a huge blitz, you know, from early season through Thanksgiving. And then for whatever reason, people are either burned out or they switch to, to duck season. So, um, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate because right now, December 1st and December 2nd, a couple episodes ago, y'all asked me my favorite week. It's right now, guys. So uh, I know this is focused on kind of a habitat, you know, kind of what we're prepping for December. Mine's going to be a little bit different than y'all because I'm still diehard in the woods. I'm putting more time, you know, now in the woods than I have all year. Uh, and we're ramping up some real strategic plays here uh, over the next two weeks on some bucks. So, um, yeah, it's it's go time for me. So Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it's good to hear somebody is uh, is in go time right now because I feel like I'm a far away from it. But, uh, Greg, what do, what do you got going on, man? Are you winding down there in Ohio? Uh, so we actually – Still have a little bit of time left in our season. Uh, we go till it's right around like the first week of February. So, you know, we still got a little bit over two months here. Uh, right. that, that late season here, just kind of like anywhere else, it can be special. One, because there are a lot of hunters that have either filled their tag, you know, with us being a one buck tag state. A lot of guys fill their tags um, early on in the rut. And then in gun season, there's not many people left. And then people just lose interest, start doing other things. So, I look for the opportunities in the late season. You know, if something presents itself, I'll go out there and put some time in the woods, but really starting to get focused on uh, getting on some properties and doing stuff. So mainly if I'm, uh, you know, driving around, headed out to do some work on a property for the day, I'll take the long way home and see if I can't spot something that's eaten out in a, in a big ag field or anything like that. And if it makes sense, then I'll come back and hang out there for the weekend, but really kind of starting to shift that focus to getting on some properties and putting some plans together. Right. Right. Yeah. So where I'm at here in Georgia, um, not too far from Alabama, I hunt in, you know, way South Alabama. It's, uh, I was actually mapping it today. We're about 48 miles straight North of the Gulf of Mexico. So uh, where I'm at right now, we've got deer that are actively rutting. I mean, you know, heavy chasing stuff going on right now, not far from me. Um, you can go down the street and they're totally done, you know, there. And then, you know, our Alabama farm, we're, we're waiting for it to happen. The first week of February is kind of go time for us. And so we've still got two months before we, you know, expect to see, you know, cruising bucks or chasing or anything like that. So um, it's weird to feel like I've wound down because my Midwestern swing, you know, is, is over there early in November. Um, but, you know, still a lot of time left. So, uh, guys, along the lines of being in December, 
this is kind of that time of year when our mindset begins to shift. Kind of like Greg was saying, we're starting to get on some properties. We're starting to maybe even get some work done on our own properties, especially if we've tagged out or, you know, maybe, uh, maybe our neighbors, like Jake was saying earlier, maybe our neighbors have, have tagged out on the one we were looking for. So um, guys, what does it look like for you this time of year, getting out and doing some habitat work? So actually, before you answer that question, Sam has been putting out for, for a while now on his Instagram account, these monthly checklists. And so today what we're covering would kind of be Sam's December checklist, or at least in part Sam's December checklist. And then the rest of you, whatever you guys are doing in December, either to get ahead for the season or, you know, what does that look like for you guys right now? Yes. I'll just introduce that a little bit more, Josh. And um, a lot of the things in December, I think, are the the early opportunities to get in and look at your property. I mean, the, the biggest focus that I have uh, immediately following the season, and I say not necessarily on calendar when the season ends, but when you are done hunting, and I also say when the coast is clear on the neighbors, because that... Uh, you know, if the, if the neighbors are hunting muzzleloader season by us, for example, I'm not going to go out until that's over with. I feel if they were still hunting archery into late, late season, um, God bless them. They still have that opportunity, but I'm probably going to get into my property and start looking at things. And it, that that sign immediately following season, that deer sign, the, the travel patterns, the scrapes, the rubs, the, all those things that we look at bedding and so on. I want to see how my property is performing. I want to understand it. What is the quality of bedding look like? What is, what are all the various aspects? What could be improved? Being very honest with myself about what's out there and what I need to do uh, to better my property and, and making a list of things that I want to move on. Yeah, that's a good a good point there, making a list of things that you want to move on so that, you know, when the time comes, I mean, we only we only have so many weekends or whatever to devote to getting habitat work done during, you know, sort of peak habitat season. So it's important to have that list and have an idea, uh, somewhat of a game plan, right? Because if you don't, you can squander that time next thing you know, it's hot and green outside and really difficult to get any meaningful work done. Sam, you and I have talked before on a different show about this concept of, you know, if you've got neighbors that are hunting the, the gun season or hunting, you know, muzzleloader, you're going to hold off a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about your thought process there. That's probably really important for guys maybe down here in the south, maybe where Lee is, where I'm at here in Georgia. I was talking to a client the other day who was like, hey, we're tagged out. Go ahead and, you know, see if you can go ahead and come out. And I was like, man, you've got 40 acres. Like, you know, you, you got to think about the pressure that's going on around you. So go ahead and, and tell us a little bit more there. Well, yeah, I mean, our job, one of our jobs as land managers is to, you know, preserve our deer, our, our bucks. We want them to get older. Um, and the number one way they don't get older is by sending them to the neighbors when they're still hunting. So it's, it's pretty simple math that way. We want to try and protect our, uh, the bucks on our property um, and not be chasing them off and not just, you know, maybe you go with, without, uh, bumping one or, you know, you messing up an area, but if you're tromping around, leaving scent, there are multiple people in the woods, you know, you're doing a number on that habitat. And if you even modify a pattern slightly of a buck that may have been on your fringe and that puts them in, in your neighbor's lap when he's still hunting, you know, you had a role in getting that deer killed. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Right, right. Very, very good. Great point on that. 
Uh, and then also having your work list, you know, ready to go, knowing what you need to do. Uh, who else? Who who's who's up? Lee, I, I want to go to you you next because I think I know what it is you're up to habitat wise this time of year. Well, it's, it's not much, right? <clears throat> I'm, I'm well, and to Sam's point, you know, we're there's a lot of observations on previous improvements that you've made on your property. How are the deer responding to it? It's a lot of note taking, a lot of observations. Do they do this right? I mean, you're always kind of making subtle adjustments uh to to your you know previous habitat but um that's that's number one thing that i'm doing as i'm sitting in stands i'm i'm you know being very aware of uh of how they're reacting to what i've done but for me there's a lot of prep work right now because you know we do have a land management service as well um you know and food plot and when you're running a drill and when you're running a drill over you know a large amount of acres there's a lot of maintenance that comes with with that and even your chainsaws chains you know you're changing your oil and your side by sides like i do all of that work in the winter just like a farmer you know when the farmer is pl- done planting and harvesting his crop he spends the off season getting his equipment ready uh so that's a lot of what i'm doing right now like i said making those observations in the field of my habitat and then i'm also getting my my equipment ready because past this there there's once we start our you know consulting season man january through april is just you don't have time to breathe and you know if you're not right. ready you don't have your equipment ready you're going to be way behind so right that's what i'm yeah. doing excellent excellent greg how about you man i think the i'll kind of point in on the one thing that lee touched on was the in-stand observation um i think that comparing the notes like i take some notes when i'm in the stand of how the deer are using the property everything like that and i think that's an important aspect that goes into evaluating your property where you can kind of visually see what the deer are doing on your property during hunting season and then once you're not worried about going into the interior part of your property when that time comes use those notes that you took during the season to try to figure out why the deer were doing what they were doing you know why were they using this travel corridor compared to the other one more often when i seen them same with the bedding area same with the food everything like that when you compare the projects themselves with the deer movement that you've seen i think that's a really good thing to tie together to explain why things are happening and how you can further develop the property for the upcoming season. Yeah, that's really, really good. Excellent. And Jake, what about you, man? So it's going to kind of vary uh, year to year. And it, the part that varies is just kind of dependent on whether or not we've, uh, our target buck is alive or not. Because if, if he is alive, then we're still kind of in, you know, game mode with going after that deer and then you know in the late season for us it's kind of like that uh first week of december like maybe like december 3rd through the 10th when they start to pick up activity a little bit more and so then we'll really focus on that week and look for a, a pretty good front that moves through and and go after him but it, most years i would say that doesn't happen he he's he's uh dead uh before december i'd say most years so then on a typical year there's a couple things that we're doing one like sam said we are staying out of there we want our property to be uh the neighborhood sanctuary while all these other hunters are really pushing in on uh during firearm season so one of our last big days to go in there is probably november 15. we go in there for you know it's tradition november 15 go out there and hunt the gun opener and then we kind of take a big step back and just kind of leave our property alone let these deer 
fill in the void, get away from those neighbors as, as they're hitting the woods. And, and we have a, a pretty long firearm season. So we have a muzzleloader season too, but be, be, the, uh, we can use any legal firearm in most of the state. So it does, it's not even really a muzzleloader season, it's just an extended firearm. So we, we just want to make sure that, like Sam said, we don't push our property or push the deer off our property onto the neighbors and end up uh, having a role in, in getting them killed, like he said. So right. December yeah. for us a lot of times is is hanging back. But once that firearm season is over, then we do shift our focus to doe management. So if we ever notice throughout the season that, you know, we're seeing a few too many does here, you know, we, that's when we, we target our does towards the end of the season. Uh, so we'll go out there, take some, if, if there's a new hunter that wants to try to get into it or, you know, kids that want to go out, like we could take them out and, and harvest a few does. Uh, so that, that's when we take, that, that's what we drew in like hunting wise, uh, in the month of December, as far as habitat goes, yeah. uh, I would say like, this is when we're starting to put our checklist together on, on our projects for next year. So we're not actually going out there and, and doing the projects. Cause again, we're not on our, we don't want to be on our property and push the deer off, but we, we are making a list. Like what are the biggest, what, what projects are going to make the biggest impact on our property? And those are the projects that we have to have done you know, in, in this coming habitat season. So we have a huge list, but yeah, we make sure we prioritize it to make sure that we get the projects done that are going to have the greatest impact on, on the property the following year. Yeah. So it sounds like everybody is pretty much in agreement, at, at least on one thing. We're doing, we're doing observation. We're checking things out in some sense, whether that be from a stand or, you know, maybe a little bit of boots on the ground or maybe just thinking back over what we observed. And we're getting that plan together, kind of hanging back. We're we're, we're trying to formulate the plan for what's to come. And I think that's super important because like Lee said, when it's go time, it's go time. I think um, I'm often surprised that, you know, you get out on a habitat project and you're trying to get something done and it takes you twice as long every time as you thought it was going to take you. And, um, you know, those, those Saturdays can go really quickly. Those weekends that you have set aside for that kind of work can go by really, really quickly. So if you don't have a plan, you can really, uh, yeah, you can really be in trouble. So prepping right now, super, super important. Uh, for me, there, there is one other thing that I'm typically doing this time of year, and that is trying to find uh, more properties to add to add to the bank. And that typically comes in the, in the form of permission ground. And a lot of that is because we, we hunt small acres. So our, our family farms, 35 acres, right? And it's very important for us to, to have alternatives around us, places where we can hunt. Uh, some of them we can do stuff to uh, as far as manipulation. Some of them we just have to hunt them like we find them, just like a piece of public ground. But this is that time of year when I'm putting in work, either making phone calls, sending letters, that kind of thing, because it allows us to hunt more efficiently throughout the year. My dad, he's more of the type he'll... He's fine not to go hunting. It's not a good day to hunt. He's fine not to go. I'm a little more gung-ho. I want to go hunting, but I can stay out of my better areas. I can stay off of our farm when it's time to stay off the farm, and I can go hunt some of these other spots that are, you know, not family-owned or anything like that and um, maybe push around some deer that I'm not as concerned about as I would be if I'm pushing out one that, you know, the family's got their, got their eye set on. So uh, guys, anything else as far as December checklist, anything that you'd leave the listener with and say, Hey, you need to be doing this in December, especially if there's a guy who's really gung ho, he's super eager, he's tagged out, he's ready to get moving. What would you tell him? I would say, uh, just 
to take it that honest evaluation of your season and be very honest with yourself again about what you want to accomplish in 2024 and make sure that you are prepared to put in the work that will be necessary to meet those goals because everybody has big goals, big hunting goals. But when uh, you talk about having continued success, there's a lot of work that goes into it, no matter what the hunting looks like. So I just think, uh, being being well prepared is the best place to start yeah it's really good yeah i'll just say be careful you know and don't go into early we're all eager to get into these places we haven't been all year you know i i love going into you know these parts of my farm i haven't i, I probably step in two to three times max a year and i love going in there because it's it's awesome in there and you don't want to push in there too soon and, and export your deer and get them killed. That's, that's first of all, but you got to be ready for, you know, the true deer season is when deer season's over and that's when it starts. That's where it starts for us habitat managers and you got to be ready to go. And, uh, cause man, I'm telling you, even the prep guys that, that start when you start, it seems like you go literally all summer long and and it lasts until you're darn near you know in september it's like man you can finally relax and and you know when deer season gets here so there's a lot of work that goes into this and i used to not understand that when you saw these successful people on tv that are consistently killing these giant deer and they're like this guy works harder than anybody else you know in the industry it's like well, man, I just set up a stand before season, you know, I don't work hard, but I also wasn't killing big deer consistently. And when I, when I expanded my knowledge and realized how much work goes into this and killing mature deer annually, it's a lot of work and you've got to be prepared for it. You've got to start as soon as deer season's over. Don't wait. Okay, well, well, we'll end it here, guys. That's uh, that's a wrap. So if you want to keep up, though, with our monthly checklist, you can check us out on Instagram at whitetail underscore partners. Is that right? Did I get that right? That's right, yep. All right, awesome. So you can go check out those monthly checklists. They're coming out every single month, and we'll give you uh, a little step-by-step of what you can be doing on your property. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you found this helpful, do us a favor and leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram at whitetail underscore partners on Facebook, whitetail partners, LLC on YouTube by simply searching whitetail partners or online at whitetailpartners.com. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.